Welcome to the Modern Law Library. I'm your host, Lee Rawls, and today I'm joined by Jasmine Guillory, author of the new book, The Wedding Date. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. To start us off, could you give us a little bit of a rundown of your legal background before we get to your background as a writer? Yeah. um, So I graduated from Stanford Law School in 2002. I was a law clerk for a year in the Northern District of California in San Francisco. And then I've had a variety of legal jobs since then. I worked for a law firm for a while. I worked for legal aid for a while. I worked for a foundation for a while. And now I mostly do a variety of contract work and other kind of term legal work that I can do while I'm writing. And let's move on to the writing. How did you first get involved with writing things that were not legal briefs or contracts? So I had been working as a lawyer for probably about, I think, eight years. And I realized that I had no real creative outlet in my life. I mean, for a while, you know, my first few legal jobs, I was working so much that there was no opportunity to have one. But then when I was working in jobs where I wasn't working quite so much, I would like I've always been a big reader and I would come home and read or, you know, exercise or things like that. But I felt like I wasn't doing something or creating something or just doing anything like learning something new. And I sort of felt the drive to do something creative, learn something that wasn't, you know, more about the law, right? Or, you know, things like that. And then I had some friends who were writers. So I started talking to them about how they started. And then I just started writing. I've been a reader my whole life. I've always loved reading fiction. I didn't know the slightest thing about reading it. I mean, I started reading some books about writing fiction, but then I just kind of dove in. And The Wedding Date was not the first book I wrote. I wrote kind of one and a half before I I wrote this one. But the others kind of taught me how to write a book, how I write a book, which I feel like is different from how, you know, every every specific person writes a book differently. And I kind of learned what's best for me and, and how I set myself up for success and for failure. And then just under, I guess, three years ago, I started working on The Wedding Date, which ended up being my first published novel. So let's talk about The Wedding Date. The book opens and our hero and heroine have just gotten caught in an elevator. Could you please give us a little bit of the background of the story? Yes. So Alexa, the heroine, is a lawyer. She's the chief of staff to the mayor of Berkeley. The hero, Drew, is a doctor who lives in Los Angeles. Alexa and Drew get stuck in an elevator together in a hotel in San Francisco, where she is in town to visit her sister, who is also a lawyer, who's just there in town for a day. And he is in town for a wedding. His ex-girlfriend is getting married and he is in the wedding party and Drew convinces Alexa to be his date to the wedding that weekend. One of the things that I loved about the book, and there are several, is that you explore in a very realistic way an interracial relationship. Could you talk about how you decided to write about an interracial couple? Alexa is black and Drew is white. Yeah, I think, you know, Alexa was the first person that I really thought of for the book. And I wanted to kind of have her start dating someone who she never would have expected to date, especially kind of the situation. They get stuck in an elevator together. She thinks that this guy would never be interested in her. So she doesn't really feel as shy as she normally would around someone who she like might be interested in because she thinks, you know, he lives in L.A., 
there's no chance for me here. Like, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be normal. And so when I thought of someone who would be the opposite of who she would ever normally date, I thought of Drew, who, you know, is a white guy, a doctor, lives in LA, very different from Alexa in many ways. And so that's sort of how it came to be. I didn't really think about oh, I want this to be an interracial relationship kind of thing. It was just really about the characters and what worked for them. And they face very realistic challenges. I never want to denigrate anyone who's written a book about an interracial relationship that took place, say, in the you know 50s and 60s and terrifying experiences with the Klan. But it's a modern-day story, and they're issues of disconnect between them that are extremely realistic, one of which is about a passion project of hers, the Teen Arts Rehabilitation Program. Was your background as a lawyer interacting with clients part of your inspiration for this Teen Arts Rehabilitation Program in the story? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not quite exactly, but because I came up with the idea of that as sort of a side plot. But I I thought of it because I, you know, I've worked at Legal Aid before. I've done a lot of, and I really love working with that population with like teenagers and children. I think teenagers, especially because people always, like everybody loves kids, right? Everyone loves little kids, especially when it comes to charities or nonprofits. People always think of like, oh, reading to babies or toddlers or little kids. But when someone is a teenager, people kind of give up on them. And you see that a lot in like a school context or in like with um, public defenders and things like that. Everyone just thinks teenagers are going to be bad. And I I really kind of wanted to have a little bit in there about fighting that because I think I've had really great interactions with teenagers who get really excited about stuff. I mean, I think when you talk to them about social justice issues and what they want to be when they grow up, they get really passionate. And I think that's a side of teenagers that a lot of people don't pay attention to. And so that was kind of one of the inspirations for that small part of the book. Just to switch gears a little bit, many lawyers who are also authors are in the romance industry and many others have gone into, say, suspense or thriller. What drew you to the romance genre? So when I first started writing, I wasn't writing romance. Um, The first two books that I wrote were young adult. I think partly because I kind of felt like I wanted to write a book like I wished I'd had when I was a teenager. And then for a while, I had some health problems and I was reading a ton of romance at the time. And romance is just a great genre to read when anything else in life is stressful because you know the book is going to make you happy. And I think that was one thing that I really craved at the time was to have something that I was reading that I knew would relax me, make me happy, sometimes maybe even make me laugh. And so then I got really into reading it. I think I probably read hundreds of romance books in a year. At first I was thinking, well, this reading this would be fun, but I don't think I could ever write one. And then after a few months, I thought, well, actually, maybe I might want to write one. So that was really one of the things that pulled me in. And part of romance novels that romance readers definitely enjoy are the hot and steamy bits. How was it writing those segments and then knowing, say, that your beloved friends and relatives were going to read them? Oh, my goodness. So so I have a handful of friends who are basically my first readers for 
any real project that I work on. And one of my friends was reading the, not quite the first draft, but the first draft that I sent out to people, which was a lot steamier than the book ended up being. And she kept sending me texts. Are you going to let your mother read this? (laughs) And so, but I, I mean, I think at first I just, I wasn't thinking about that. Like I didn't let myself think about anyone who really knew me reading it. I think the friends who... I let read the first drafts. I didn't even really like count them because they were writers too. Like I knew that that wouldn't really enter into their minds, but I really couldn't think about writing it in thinking, you know, I I just ignored if I, if this gets published, somebody's going to read it, but I wasn't even there yet. So that helped to get through all of that is like, my mother will never read this. And then she did. (laughs) (laughs) So something that the romance industry has as a whole struggled with, and I I don't think that this is necessarily just specific to the romance publishing industry, is representation in media. I think that you and I are contemporaries age-wise, and I remember when I would walk into a B. Dalton bookstore or, you know, this is pre-Barnes & Noble for me, there would be a particular shelf or a particular series of shelves that would be labeled, oh, here are the African-American romances. And then here are the rest of the romance and novels. And there really was a very much a separation. And it wasn't that women of color weren't writing, but they often were not promoted or given chances. What has been your experience in the industry now? And what do you hope for the future? And who are some of the authors that anyone who's read your book and enjoyed it should also seek out? Well, you know, I mean, I think one thing that that I've heard that has made me really happy is, I mean, this was absolutely not like a simple path to publication on my part, but I got a number of rejections from editors once I had the agent and we were out looking for publication. And um, my agent has said, because the book has been doing, has gotten a lot of buzz in the early stages and has been doing relatively well. And one of the things that my agent said that she heard from some editors, some of the editors who rejected the book, was that they're so happy now that they have this book to compare to, to get their publishing house in. To say, like, look, people really will buy books like this. Because I think, I mean, not necessarily before my book, but like, I think a lot of publishing houses are very stuck in the idea that like, we can't sell books like that. We can't sell books with black women. There's a small niche who will read them, but that's it. And that's just not true. And it's very hard to convince them that that's not true. So I think having an example like this might help. And I'd be really happy if that, if that was the case. I mean, my story is like, you know, no one said outright to me, we're rejecting your book because we can't sell a book about a black woman. But, you know, luckily I found an editor who was really behind the book. The publishing house itself has been really behind the book. And so that has helped me a lot. But I know that there are a lot of other black romance writers who have not had that experience. And I just hope that in the future, that is not the case. Um, Oh, and as for other writers, one of the Black writers who I think all of us in the industry look up to is Beverly Jenkins, who's been writing, I I mean, I don't even know how many books she has at this point, like 60 or something. She has a ton of books. Her books are wonderful. She writes historical uh, romances that are all set in America. At At least I think they're all set in America. And the ones, I mean, I haven't read all of her books. I've read many of them and I love them. You know, some of them with 
former slaves or, you know, just after slavery. A lot of them are kind of just after the Civil War. Um, A lot of them are set in California, which I love. And her books are just fantastic. And I think they're a great place to start. And she also, like, you learn about historical issues and events through reading her books. I love them. There are things that she talks about in places of California. And, you know, I grew up in California. We all had to do California history in school. So there's a lot of things that I know about the missions. And there are things that she talks about in her books that I didn't know had happened. And then you, in the end, she lists a lot of books that she looked to to learn about those topics. And so that was great for me because I was a history major. So then I could go and like learn more about things in my state that I didn't even know existed. So if our listeners were interested in entering the industry themselves, and maybe they're still practicing attorneys, you know, maybe they don't know how to get started. Do you have any advice for those, for those people who are thinking to themselves, you know what, I've always enjoyed romance. I think that I, I think that I have a story to tell. What would you tell them? I mean, I think the first advice is to just start reading a ton which I think helped me a lot. You know, I read a lot of books, many of which I loved, some of which I didn't like, but the books that I didn't like helped inform me about what, you know, what I did not want to do in my book or tropes that I like, but I don't like the way this happened. And so that was very helpful for me is to just like dive into a pile of books for a few years. And then just start writing. I mean, I feel like it's hard to say it just like that, but I just made myself write for a few hours every day. When I started this book, I started it as part of NaNoWriMo, which is the National Novel Writing Month. Their big month is in November, but what I didn't realize until basically right before it started is that they also do projects in April and, and in July. And so I started this book in for the April month. And it really, like, I'm a very, as I think a lot of lawyers are, I'm a very deadline-oriented person. And so writing it as part of that really helped me force myself to keep writing every day and to keep on this pattern. And then when the month was over, the goal is to write 50,000 words in a month. And I did that by the end of April. And then I just kept going with this book. And so I finished the first draft sometime in June that year. And then I just spent months and months editing it because it was way too long. It had plot lines and characters that didn't need to be there. It had missed one character that was really important in the end, you know, things like that. And so starting writing and then in the interim, I also read some books about writing. Um, You know, I think one of the first ones that everyone tells you to read is Stephen King's on writing, which is probably the first writing book I read bird by bird by Anne Lamont the, this summer, I read Story Genius by Lisa Crone, I think her last name is. And that one I really loved in just sort of how to put together a story that people will care about. And again, like not all of those books, every part of them will resonate you with you. But even if you get a little bit of something like, oh, this will help me, I think that is really invaluable. So yeah, I mean, I think that's just basically how I, how I started. And then just to respond to any of our listeners who are not used to us talking necessarily about romance, often we're discussing history books or or more issues books, there is, in a lot of people's mind, a real reflexive denigration of romance as a genre. And in the year of our Lord, 2018, I'm still seeing headlines saying, guess what? Romance novels aren't all anti-feminist. 
And, you know, romance isn't all I read, but I certainly read it and have read it for a very long time and have not seen these tropes that everyone assumes are, are currently being used for two decades. Have you faced any pushback from any of the people who you've known in your life or, or through your career? It's funny because I did get some of my law school friends say, like, you know, when you told me that you were writing a romance novel, I really wasn't sure what to say. But first of all, I mean, I think a lot of the problems that people have with romance comes down to, even though they don't realize it, just general sexism. I mean, romance as an industry is, for the most part, by and for women. Most industries that are by and for women have a lot of stigma attached to them. I don't think that that's accidental. And I mean, it's sort of at this point, I feel like Life is short, as we have all seen this year. I mean, look, these past few years have been difficult for most of the people that I care about. We should just read what we like and write what we like. And if you enjoy reading romance, read something that you like reading. I am too old at this point to worry about, do people think less of me for reading a book? I mean, honestly, a book. Like, let's all read more books. (laughs) And I'm really glad, actually, I had one of my teachers who I think did my acknowledgments. Sadly, he passed away a few years ago. But one of my high school teachers said when he was talking to us, he was a science teacher and he was like, I don't care what you read. Read as much as you can. Everything you read will help you in your future life. And I'm glad that I really took that to heart because just read as much as you can and whatever brings you joy, just keep reading it. In my life, that same kind of revelation came from an ex-boyfriend who just said to me, he's like, well, you know, I read Tom Clancy books all the time and I don't think that those are more realistic than what you're what you're currently reading. Yeah, like um, there's tons of mystery and science fiction that are often, those genres are often written by men and so they don't get the same scorn towards them, even though those aren't realistic or a lot of that stuff doesn't happen. It doesn't matter. I, I don't, I mean, yes, I look for some realism in books. There's certain things that if they are wrong, drive me crazy, but also to a certain extent, we should just like do things in your private life that you enjoy. And if it's reading romance or thrillers or science fiction or, you know, literary fiction or nonfiction, who cares? Just do what you want. So what is next for you? You have a a new book coming out. Uh, Well, this book is now in stores and available, but a few months down the road, you will have a new book. Can you tell us about this new project? I have another book that's scheduled to come out in late 2018. It's called The Proposal. It is about Carlos, who is Drew's best friend in this book. That book is set in LA. It begins at a Dodger game. Carlos is sitting behind a woman who gets proposed to over the jumbotron by her not that long of a boyfriend. She says no, which causes the whole stadium to gasp in horror. And some camera crews come over to her to try to interview her about the experience. Carlos saves her and gets her out of the stadium. And then the rest of the book is how they get to know each other. And if any of our listeners are interested in reading more about you, interacting with you, getting in touch with you, how could they do so? Um, My website is jasminegillery.com. My last name is spelled G-U-I-L-L-O-R-Y. People get confused a lot. I am on Twitter as The Best Jasmine. And those are probably the best. And my website has all of my other social media handles, but Twitter is probably the one I'm on the most. Well, thank you again to Jasmine Guillory for joining us to talk about her book, The Wedding Date. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening service.